You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's good! It's good! It's good! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice... To the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks a flow, and touchdown. Hell is frozen over of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh baby! Welcome in Saints fans to. Another episode of Inside Black and Gold. It's me, Jeff Nowak. I had to give Steve the night off because he is currently somewhere a few thousand feet above the ground. He's in he's in the plane with the team. So I had to take this on my own, but I think I have enough to keep you entertained. It's going to be the first post-game podcast, and whew, we have a good one to talk about. The Saints did just about everything I can think of to lose a game that they ended up winning 27-26 over the Atlanta Falcons. They trailed by 16 points with about 12 minutes to go. And if that sounds familiar to you, it was very similar to how the game went. I want to say, what was it, week eight, week nine, in the Superdome last year. I think in that game, the Falcons led 24-6 to with about eight minutes to go. And Trevor Simeon actually led the Saints all the way back and then – you know, Cordero Patterson caught a long pass down the sideline. And that was after the Saints kicked the go-ahead field goal today. I was just like, someone find Cordero Patterson. If he catches a 50-yard pass and they lose this, yeah, that's going to be rough. But, <laughs> man, that was that was awful until it was fun, right? It was. It's very similar to the LSU game. If you want to go back and go to the Superdome last week, 
for the LSU game where everything was terrible through three quarters and all of a sudden you had this crazy comeback and the difference being, you know, the Saints didn't miss that kick at the end when LSU didn't make the extra point. I'm glad it didn't have to go to overtime because I hate overtime in the NFL. I was glad to see them finish it off. Although, man, that game should have ended a lot earlier than it did. The refs really bugged me in that game, and it wasn't about them making mistakes. It was about, you know, do your job. Like, in the instance where Jarvis Landry goes out of bounds and it's not apparent, it's not obvious that he went out of bounds, it's their job to make sure that the the other the teams know what's going on. It's their job to explain that to people. And DA can say, yeah, I should have known, I should have known. But, you know, that's part of the ref's job. There are refs there to alert people. And that just seemed odd. And the and when he called the grounding penalty, he just stood there with this smirk on his face. Was like, you're that's your job. They they spiked it because like it was not made clear that the clock wasn't running. And whatever, it's DA's first head coaching game. I get it. You know, that might be something that, you know, down the road he'll be a little better at. We might look back on this and laugh and say, Man, yeah, that's that's a sign of a first time head coach, or at least a head coach that hasn't been a head coach in a while. But you know, that's gotta be on the officials to to make sure that the teams know what's going on because it's not obvious. I saw it in real time because I was watching it on a broadcast. They're watching it from the sideline. They don't know he stepped on the edge and you have like three seconds where you have to make that decision and they're sprinting out there and they're trying to clock it as fast as they can. And then you get a penalty because of that. It was like, just blow the play dead who you're not gaining anything from spiking. it. I thought that was, that was a BS situation that could have been avoided. There's a few other instances the holding call on Marshawn in that last drive, I mean, it was weak at best. You know, I thought the the roughing penalty when the clock was reading zeros, I mean, geez. And these are all instances where they don't get called for grounding there. It's first down. They get to run a couple plays and worst case scenario, make Atlanta burn their timeouts. And they weren't able to do that because when they spiked it, it was third down and then fourth down. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. That was just the stuff at the end of the game that bugged me. The stuff that bugged me at the beginning of the game was a whole lot worse. And, you know, I always kind of err on the side of, let's assume the quarterback is involved in the issues that are plaguing the offense, right? You don't want to give somebody a pass just because you like them or you want them to succeed. Uh, But in this case, I'm giving Jameis a pass for the first half of that game. Because the the protection, the offensive line production was atrocious. It was awful. It was awful. And, you know, you can put some of that on the quarterback, and I'm sure Jameis will take it when he goes through film. He'll say, you know what, I needed to ID the, the coverage is better. I needed to set the protection better. I needed to make sure everything was communicated. I needed to get the ball out quicker, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you can only – play football, right? <laughs> you can't teach the guy how to play football in front of you. If he's getting blown off the snap, Caesar Reed's getting chucked to the side and Grady Jarrett's about to eat your lunch. There's only so much you can do. And so I think this is a team that will figure that out, but man, that was rough. That was rough. And, you know, I said this going in to the, you know, the preseason finale where you were trying to figure out whether you wanted to get guys reps and, you know, it was always going to be a question of, you know, I get it. I understand why a team would go into the preseason and say, hey, we had to start 58 players last year. That never happened before in NFL history. We overhauled the training staff. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that we get to the regular season healthy. But I think what you saw 
in that first half, and it wasn't all on this, but I think you could explain away a lot of the issues by saying this was a rusty team. They essentially treated the first half of that game, the first three quarters of that game, as their preseason. I mean, did it not look like it's, there was one team was playing a preseason game and another team was playing a regular season game in the first half, right? Because that's what it looked like to me. It looked like when the Saints faced the Chargers' third-team uh, defense with James Winston as quarterback, and I was like, wow, this offense is way better than that defense. And, you know, I thought that was very frustrating to see, and I think it could have been avoided by, you know, obviously you don't want to overload people in the preseason, but, geez, get them out there. Get them. If you are walking into your regular season opener and the rust is clear, then you have not done a good enough job of preparing the team. And, you know, some guys are insulated from that. I get it. But there's a lot of pieces of this offense that are new, and they did not get the offseason time together that you needed to make sure they were, you know, in sync. And good on the Saints. They, they managed to split that difference. They barely managed to split that difference because I don't really – I think by week two – it's not going to be an issue. I think the rust has been knocked off and you saw that in the fourth quarter, but they were a hair from blowing a game that they may need down the stretch. And I expect that them to need down the stretch because of that. And that's man, if they drop that game, that's rough. Cause you have the bucks next week. You know, that's, it does not get easier next week. You need to start well because you know that the middle of the season is so rough and man, they, they pulled it out. But oh, they they made it they made it tough. Um, they made it tough on me personally because I'm trying to write like you know my my takeaways from the game, and I have it all done basically by the time I get into the fourth quarter because I try to post it as the game ends. You know, people want to read stuff immediately as the game ends, and I feel bad because so much of it is written as a kind of man. They can't believe they blew this game, and then but I had to just rework it because it's just like okay, I, I want this to sound different just because like I'm still going to say the same things, but I don't want it to sound like I'm talking about a team that started 0-1 because there's a huge difference between starting 1-0 and starting 0-1. And uh, so if you read my five takeaways and you're like, wow, it sounds like it's talking about a team that lost. Well, that's because I was writing about a team that I very much thought lost that game. And, you know, as frustrating as all that was, can you imagine if you're on the Falcon side? <laughs> Does any team blow a lead quite like the Falcons? I don't know if it's, it's possible. I mean, how do you, you know, as frustrating as it is to be a Saints fan, I think at least you've, your frustrations come on the precipice of success, <laughs> right? You can say that about the Falcons in the Super Bowl. You can say that about the ultimate troll, which is the 28 to three, right? But all of these other blown leads, all of these other terrible experiences have come as you're watching a God-awful football team. Just a tr an atrocious football team. And I say don't overreact to week one, never overreact to week one. But I think if you're a Falcons fan, it's safe to overreact to week one because this is your reality. You just need to accept it. <laughs> this is what happens to you. I'm sorry, it is. You cannot move past this. This is, this is your life now. I actually thought the Falcons played excellently through the first three quarters of that game. I really did. I thought Marcus Mariota looked good. He looked like a guy who's going to continue to be the starting quarterback of that team. And it all fell apart. It all fell apart at the end. So if you listen to the last podcast, I went through my three keys to uh, the Saints dominating that game, not to win that game, to dominate that game. And I think they held up because my first key 
was stop the run. They did not do that at all. The Atlanta did a very Philadelphia-esque job of rushing for over 200 yards, RPOing you to death, you know, just running the pass rush ragged. Props to Pete Warner. He finished with 12 tackles, and he had that incredible TFL at the end of the game that really kind of saved the Saints from themselves. He did not, he did not stop the run, which is why Marcus Mariota was able to execute you to death in the third quarter of that game because, you know, you, you allowed the run game to get going, which made the play-action game effective. So you did not do that. <laughs> My second key, avoid turnovers. That was right. Um, you did not avoid turnovers. Jameis Winston did. You know, if there's one thing you can say about his performance in the first three quarters of that game, he was getting eaten alive in the pocket. He didn't turn the ball over, right? I think if he turns the ball over once, the Saints probably lose that game. It was The margin was that narrow. And, you know, for a guy who can't walk down the street without getting reminded about his 30-interception season and all the fumbles and all the, the stupid throws and the bad decisions, for him to get through that game without turning the ball over, good on him. You know, maybe at some point we can start being like, wow, maybe he's not this walking interception. Um, you know, who knows? But, yeah, I mean, they managed to avoid turnovers throughout much of the game. The only real turnover was Mark Ingram's kind of bizarre, you know, little flip up on that kind of broken play. It actually ended up not hurting the team because I think it was Marcus May and Tyron Matthew combined to punch the ball out down at the goal line. So, you know, it, it was a wash there. But the one that... It's not considered a turnover by any stretch, but to me, the effect is the same. Will Lutz clanking a 44-yard field goal off the upright is as good as a turnover. It's as good as a turnover because you're taking points off the board and you are giving the Falcons the ball on a quick change with good field position. And I think when you look back at how this Saints defense has performed and when they struggle, they struggle when you put them in a situation for a quick change and it is immediately followed by a long drive. And that's what you had on that first Falcons touchdown drive where they just, you know, they were able to run the ball. Cordero Patterson, who good on him. He was excellent in this game. I don't know how he ever was considered a wide receiver because he's clearly a running back. That drive was set up by the missed field goal. So while that's not going to go in the book as a turnover, I consider that as effectively a turnover on the kicker. So you did not avoid turnovers. My third key show up. They didn't. <laughs> the Saints did not show up in this game whatsoever until, you know, the final 12 minutes. And we're going to get into a lot more of that in the back half. I want to talk about Mike Thomas. I want to talk about James Winston. I want to talk about all these guys and how they really got it done down the stretch. But first, here's Chris Sanders. You know, Mario Davis wouldn't say it. He alluded to it. Um, but yes, Will Lutz's nickname in the locker room is Big Nuts Lutz. And it's a good nickname, but there is actually a second nickname that I learned about today. And uh, I'll let, I'll let Jameis, I'll let Jameis tell it to you here. Oh, I knew, I knew Illa Willa was going to hit it. You know, uh, he, he, the preparation he had, I mean, he had some adversity last year, uh, overcoming some injuries and bouncing back, man. So I know he was hungry for another opportunity uh, and he uh, executed. Did you catch that? Let's, let's play it again and see if you hear it. Oh, I know I know Illy Willie was going to hit it. Illy Willie. I, I don't think it's as good as Big Nuts Lutz, but Illy Willie's still a pretty solid nickname. And that was, uh, and that was Jameis. Let's see if there's any more coming here. Uh, 985 Live says, the O-line was trash, and what was wrong with Mike T falling down? Um, 
I have a feeling that somewhere Sean Payton was watching the game and muttering to himself about the wrong cleats. Because <laughs> it sure did seem like Mike was having a hard time uh, getting some traction. And on, it happened twice with Flip. And on both those plays, you could attribute it to a rough throw by Jameis. As we, we talked about Mike, we talked about his touchdown. And now one thing that I thought was funny, you saw on that touchdown, his celebration of throwing the ball in the stands. That's what, what he had to say. Actually, they threw it back, so I do have it. But um, <laughs> I had a lot of, I, had a, I had actually had a lot of like thoughts in my head on how I would probably celebrate, but knowing the situation of the game and, you know, you can't get any penalties there. Or you don't want to get anything uh, to hurt this team. So kept it simple and, you know, put points on the board. We came back, got two. And then we, we got on a roll. There you go. He got the ball back. So <laughs> to recap, Michael Thomas scores a touchdown, throws the ball into the stands, and the Falcons fan throws it back to him. And he says, you know what? Thank you, because I actually wanted to keep this. This is my first touchdown catch in two years almost. Um, so so good good for you, Falcons fan. You, I, I've never understood that. I've never understood that. If you went to a game and you got a football thrown to you that you could take home and say, this is a touchdown catch by Michael Thomas in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and you throw it back. Like, that is the that is the lamest thing a fan could do, in my opinion. But, hey, Mike's not complaining. Um, but, all right, I'm going to cut that segment off there. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. This is the Saints-Falcons postgame podcast. I'm going to hit a quick break, get a drink of water because my throat is failing me, and then we're going to come back we're going to hit some more. We're going to look forward a little bit, answer more viewer questions, and get some more audio. Thanks to everyone who's watching. we got over 100 people in here right now, which is great. And uh, stick around. I'll be back in a minute. 